Welcome to the Work Research Revolution. I'm your host, Cara DeLunger. In this podcast, I speak to doctors, scientists, professors, and business leaders who are at the leading edge of this work research revolution and radically changing the way we work. We will be harnessing their collective insight so that we can create the catalyst that drives much needed change in the future of work around the world. Work Reset Revolution is brought to you by Softer Success. Visit www.softersuccess.com to learn how you can revolutionize your well-being plan and help eradicate burnout in your organization. So let's get to today's episode. Welcome to the Work Reset Revolution. And today I am with Tony Strohs. And Tony is Learning and Development Director at Philips. And he is innovating the employee experience at Philips. Welcome, Tony. Thank you, Cara. So I wanted to ask you a question. So in your role as Learning and Development Officer, much of your work revolves around creating meaningful experiences for employees at Philips. Could you talk about what these experiences typically are and why they're so important? Yeah, sure. No, thank you for this. I think obviously being involved in learning and development for quite some time and typically obviously within our space, we are focused on training, i.e. people consuming new skills or knowledge. And I think as we sort of move out of that era and we start to understand and try and think about what is it that we want to achieve with development of individuals within within the workplace? Then we start to think about, you know, what is the meaning behind that? So what do we really, really think are those opportunities? And as I kind of reflected on your questions earlier, I came out with this statement of sort of genuine growth opportunities. And I think that's quite a nice framework around that because moving away from consumption of new information to really how am I as an individual going to grow within the organization? I think another ever important part is connectedness. So what I think about in terms of developing people is not so much around how people will attend programs or partake in those, but how we connect them with the right people, with inspirational people. They're going to obviously shape their future. So again, that space is what tools, what technologies, what methods we use in order to create that sense of being, that sense of well-being, that sense of being connected with the organization. So whether that be from onboarding, from the moment that people join in terms of bringing them into a group, so they get to obviously build connections with that initial group through onboarding. And then as, of course, they grow through the organization, how are we building more and more opportunity for them to really build relationships with those around? Because I think that's what really becomes the strength and the value, it's not so much the consumption of information, but really, really how they build those relationships. One of the most important aspects of development is also looking at uh, purpose and value. And one of the one of the questions I pointedly put to one of my colleagues on a peer learning group was, what is your value? And it was an interesting statement because the response was often the job description. And actually then saying to somebody, well, that's a role you play, but what is your value in the organization? And I think it's, it's quite a direct message. But it's also quite a pointed one to kind of think, what do I stand for? What am I contributing? What am I about? So a lot of these sort of experiences really are about connections, collaborations, building the skills to kind of address some of the complex problems that we have as an organization. Thank you so much. And I love that. So genuine development and what is your value? And that's a great one for people to start thinking about, isn't it? You know, because automatically people do sort of say, well, I do this and this and this, but no, actually... 
What is your value? It's, it's a great one. <laughs> it's definitely a challenging question, but also one which I think I've used quite a few times with my team as well, because I think it helps you to step back away from the doing part and really start to think, what do I contribute to my team, to the organization that is over and above doing my work? And I think it's, for all of us, it's quite a challenging question, but I think it's one that you can get a lot out of because it does give you that pause moment to think about. Absolutely. So going over onto that, the next question is, what do you think are the most important issues affecting the modern day workplace? Yeah, I mean, obviously a great question and a huge question. And I refer to some of the work I'm doing in a role of within the Future of Work program in terms of leading the leadership and capabilities work stream. And one of the aspects as we've gone through design thinking workshops and we started to dive deeper around some of these challenges, for me is a little bit of a shock around the quality of leadership and what that actually means. I think the sort of aggressive nature of how we work, what we do every day, the sheer volume, the way we have to kind of be efficient, to me has probably created a leadership style, which is more about getting things done, rather than actually looking at the value again of that work that's being done. So one of the sort of biggest issues for me comes down to, and it's well kind of widely reported, but this definition of leadership style, what is appropriate, compassionate leadership, really to get the most out of people, I think is one of the biggest issues that I recognize in terms of my experience so far. I think that leads into one of probably the hottest topics today, especially around the future of work, which is trust and psychological safety. I think we're seeing again that rising. I think it was a it was kind of a hot trending topic, I think, two or three years ago, but maybe never landed as importantly as it could have done. Maybe it was something that companies made a nod towards rather than really reacting to. But I think as this challenge between employees and employers on the future of work comes out, you start to see trust becoming a really mainstream issue. So I think those elements. I think also as individuals, the pace of change is really overtaking us. So I think, again, the need to try and keep moving at such a pace combined with lack of trust, combined with leadership, then you start to see the facts play out in burnout and attrition and really just as humans coping with this. And I think that, you know, one of the things I said to a colleague the other day is that digital advancements are going at such a crazy pace, but as humans, we need hundreds of years, thousands of years to evolve. And and it's almost as if the pace of work, the pace of information is overtaking us. And I think we're unable to cope. And then I think we kind of, within this space, Within this workplace, we're kind of losing the ability to take control, to think, and really are kind of being swept away with pace of doing. And so, yeah, I think that I kind of put it into this definition of what I call digital behaviours. And what I mean by that is really sort of open, visible communications, trust, transparency, autonomy. Those are things which I think require to survive and thrive in this way. And if we don't have that is the culture because we're not able to adapt quickly enough to this new way, then I think that's what's kind of we're struggling a lot in this sort of modern workplace. Absolutely. And it is that thinking time, isn't it? There's just that we don't give ourselves enough of that time to actually just digest all that information that we're being thrown at and think and take time. And in leadership, that's particularly important. And so that leads me on to my next question. So do you have any ideas maybe related to, you know, these stress, the work stress and what you were just talking about 
looking after our cognition for how we can solve this. In other words, what does a work reset revolution look like to you? There's a great word, solve. And I think this is something that maybe as human beings we'd like to do. I don't know, maybe it's, you know, certainly within uh, Philips as an engineering company, there is an approach to the fact that things have to be solved. I don't think you can solve the problem. I think that's half the problem is we want to solve the problem versus dealing with the complexity. And I think you see the mindset of even returning to the workplace is a solution to the problem we had, which is the pandemic or remote work. So how do we then solve this problem as opposed to what we should be saying is how are we evolving in terms of embracing the change and the opportunity? And I think realistically, this is about empowerment. And I think this is really about employees pushing back a little bit, I think. I mean, that's where it really starts. And of course, that's quite difficult. You know, we explore psychological safety, the ability to open up and share. But I think it also becomes about taking control. And I think they're not in a negative context, but as a personal control, which idea is that I'm not as a slave, as it were, to this process that I can do it. I think on LinkedIn, there was a post recently said, fed up with all these Zoom meetings. And I posted back and said, well, don't attend then. Yeah, so, so it's kind of like, you know, we, we seem to somehow feel that we are lacking control. So I think that pushing back, gaining control, and as you just said there, is valuing what thinking is and the time and what it brings. It's hard that when I talk about solutions, I think there is this need for us to almost see that something can be implemented, something can be done. But actually, I think it's fully about behaviors. And yes, that's why I say the big challenge is leadership, because if you're in a situation where you're finding that difficult to say to your manager, I want to take more time or I'm not going to attend these meetings or this is of not of importance to me. Why do we need to do this? That can be difficult, but I think it has to start there. I think it has to start with the individual recognizing that and reviewing, you know, what is going on in their work day and saying like that point earlier about value. What is the value of this meeting? What is the value of this way of working? And how can I, even if it's a small amount, you know, take back some control of what's going on and also start within my group, influence the value of thinking time. And I think there's no solution, I don't think. I think it's a change, but it's also something that organizations will need to adapt, adopt in order that the value is is kind of realized from the individual employees, because otherwise you've effectively got a factory of individuals processing information. But when you review the work week, how much of that really was any value. So perhaps the solution is to review what you're doing, define a value for it and see whether it's something you want to continue doing. And would you say that's for the individual or for the organisation and both? I think it's both. I mean, I think a lot of these times, I think people are waiting for organisations to come up with a a solution. And I don't think we need to do that in this instance. I think the, the change is there within the individual. It's not easy. And I've learned quite a lot recently that good leadership is rare. It seems a rare commodity, unfortunately. So if that is the case, then I think it is up to those individuals to appropriately take control of their own situation and feel that there is support. But I think it's important to do that. And like I said, it doesn't have to be a wholesale stop of what you're doing. But I think you can take some very simple approaches to just look at what's happening in your week and decide I'm not going to attend that meeting. I don't need to be here. I, you know, I don't need to be beholden to this because it does seem that somehow the technology 
is somehow becoming, we become a slave to it and say, I can't not do this. And I don't believe that. Of course we can. It just takes a bit of effort to be able to do that. And I think that, that ultimately, then what you do with that time is more constructive and more valuable to the organization is then played back to your team. And then I think you're showing good practice. So it's not a simple fix, but I think it's an approach which I've looked to apply over the last two or three years. And it is hard. You are resisting because you have to resist those above who want to bury you in meetings and simply say, no, I have no value to add in this meeting. I'm not going to that. And if you were to give our listeners one tip on that, what would be the one thing that you would say that's really worked for you or you could share with them? Yeah, I think it's really that case of the value, that value piece. Am I adding value? Is there any reason I need to be in this situation? I have a team of 13 people across the globe. I only meet with them once every two weeks. They manage all their own projects. They manage themselves. It took several years to get to that stage of empowerment and developing them. But the fact is that then I'm presented with a blank diary. And somehow I think that also team leads sometimes are scared by that because also then I need to figure out what my value is. So I think the key thing you said at the beginning is, you know, take the opportunity to really define value purpose, define what it is that what you're doing, look at your calendar as a starting point and understand what value do I bring in these particular situations and where it's low, then don't partake, let it be, you know, and I think that's a good starting point because if you can start that process in your head and you can work with your team on that, then you start to create not only room for you, but also for them. And now they are then left with time to really go deeper on the things that they need to go deeper on. And that should, in theory, then create more value. So value and being in charge of your own schedule, that's something we often talk about as well. No matter how many stakeholders there are, be in charge of your own schedule, even if it's just small things throughout the day. Well, Tony... Thank you so much. It's been wonderful to talk to you today and really appreciate all your very helpful techniques and your information that you've shared today. So thank you. No, pleasure. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Work Reset Revolution. I'd like to know what has been your biggest takeaway from this conversation. As a next step, share this episode with anyone that you think may benefit. Follow us on LinkedIn at Softer Success for more inspiration to change the way we work and contact us at info at softersuccess.com to find out more about our burnout assessment tool. If you have any feedback on how to improve, please do reach out to me as I'm always keen to learn more. Thank you so much for listening and we'll meet again on the next episode of Work Reset Revolution. Music